Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Game Over. It is another crossover episode here happening for Game Over Ottawa. Also, Game Over Vancouver. I am joined by Parker from Game Over Vancouver. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm personally pretty good. Uh, I can't uh, imagine you're going to be as happy as I am, but um, to be on the side of a team that's gotten points in nine straight games, uh, I cannot complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figure you'll be you'll be pretty happy here tonight. Me, on the other hand, Maude from Game Over Ottawa, not feeling too great about that Senators performance. A lot of ups and downs in how they played. Um, but before we really get into the game, I guess, Parker, if if maybe you could do a little introduction about yourself, just maybe for my Ottawa viewers who, who may not have seen you before. Sure, yeah, my name is Parker. I go by Parker's Pucks Online. I've uh, been covering the Canucks for a few years just here on YouTube and uh, happy to be joining here on Game Over. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's essentially me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, happy to be joined by you and not so happy that we just got totally smoked by the Canucks. I, I was dreading this game on the calendar as soon as I saw the Canucks just absolutely destroying the Oilers at the, at the start of the season. I was like, oh, this this team is something different this year. And uh, it, this went about as I expected in terms of the final score, but it was a little bit of a weird game in terms of how it played out. Like the, the Canucks and the Sens are both kind of star power heavy, but I feel like this wasn't really a game where the stars really shown the brightest like Hughes and Pedersen weren't super impactful until that last goal I found it was kind of a quiet night for them and it was a quiet night for a lot of the Sens top forwards too I don't know if, if you agree in that it was more of like a grindy type game yeah it was a bit of a messy game overall I think I, I mean with the the Canucks so far this year have, have been driven so heavily by guys like Hughes and Pedersen in a way that Ottawa has been driven by guys like you know uh, Stutzla and and Kachuk and Batherson and for the Canucks to essentially play a game where they showed up for the first few minutes and then they sort of took a lot of time off and just sort of hung on for dear life. And in a way that, yeah, it's not like Ottawa played a bad game. They were the better team tonight. I mean, you, if you just look at the shots, 30 to 16, that's not great for, for Vancouver. But um, the problem is you've sort of run into a team that everyone is saying is going to regress. They're going to regress. They cannot keep shooting at this high of a percentage. They cannot get saves at this high of a percentage. And they just come out here and say, no, we can just keep doing that. That's fine. We'll score on one every three shots. And uh, I, I had no problems really with the Sens game. I think they, they were the better team and they probably deserved to get more of this one. Yeah, it's tough for me to reconcile that as a Sens fan with how the season has gone so far. And that like we technically were the better team tonight, yet they they still can't get the results, even when they are the better team, regardless of whether they're the better team or not. Like Toronto game yesterday, it was pretty even between the two teams, and then we just kind of got the puck luck and managed to pull away at the end of the game. And then tonight's the reverse, where both teams were kind of just hanging around, and Vancouver is the team that's able to finish their chances, and we are not. And like you said, uh, everyone's talking about regression for the Canucks. That was one of the main points I wanted to bring up to you because uh, they they are actually on average getting outshot, like more shots against per game uh, than they get for for themselves. Um, and it, it was it's kind of funny that that's exactly how this game played out, and that it was just a a ridiculously low shot total. I think with with like 10 minutes left in the game, they were still only at like 10 shots, which that that was probably surprising for you guys, especially since the Canucks were sitting in Ottawa in the hotel yesterday, uh, waiting for the Sens to finish their first half of the back-to-back. The Canucks, you would have thought would be the more fresh team, but it, it didn't really play out like that. 
Yeah, the Canucks have a weird schedule here on this road trip where they're facing three teams all on their second nights of back-to-backs. Um, oh, wow. So they sort of have this this little stretch here, um, which which is great for them. But yeah, they they came out hot first. Well, the first three, first two and a half minutes ended up being the first minute after that first goal got called. Um, they looked good. Like they had some pressure going and they, they looked like the better team. And then after that, the Canucks sort of sat back and let Ottawa come to them. And they said, you know, hey, you guys can... We're up to nothing. We're just going to sit on our heels and, and allow you guys to put some pressure on. And Ottawa, credit to them, they pulled it back and they they were able to tie it um, about halfway through the game. Uh, kind of a couple of weird goals, but, um, you know, in a, in a way that the Canucks goaltenders haven't really been allowing so far this season. Um, I mean, that Zub goal that hits Pedersen's skate, um, I mean, just kind of unlucky. And then you have that Batherson goal, which was a great goal, but you don't expect opportunities like that to be given out. Um, so... Canucks were, did a pretty good job allowing, again, 30 shots, but a lot were kept to the outside. There wasn't a lot of super high danger stuff. And and on Ottawa's perspective, I mean, I just sort of have like the natural stat trick uh, heat map on, on my screen. And Canucks only had 16 shots. It's so bright around the Ottawa net uh, on this heat I map. That was a weird thing for me with the, with the Sens here tonight, because like you said, the Canucks just sat back and uh, let the sense come to them. But it, it felt like we were never really threatening that much. Like you said, the heat map for the Canucks, it was all right around the crease there. Do you, do you have it up for the sense too? I can't imagine that it's, it's probably a lot of perimeter shots, right? A lot around the faceoff dots. Yeah. Um, that's the two hottest spots on the map are both sides of the, both sides of the ice uh, and a little bit around the point. And you look at where their two goals came from, right? One was from the point they got tipped in. The other was in tight. Um, another stat that pops out to me on here is five on five high danger chances, right? Shots were, uh, well, they ended up being 25, 14 at five on five high danger chances were only three for Ottawa, nine for Vancouver oh, in God. those, uh, out of those times. So uh, yeah. Canucks are creating when they're creating, they're creating high danger chances and, um, Ottawa just wasn't able to get to the net. I was going to check those high danger chances. That was one thing I was really curious about. And I, I assumed that it would be more for the Canucks, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad in terms of nine to three. So that pretty much says it all right there. Like even when a team is just sitting back and letting the Sens attack them, they, they can't figure anything out. And like you said, the way that the goals happened for the Sens, uh, a broken play where I think it was Ian Cole with the turnover, just yeah. Batherson, Batherson made a great move on that play, but it was a little bit fortunate to get that chance. And then the deflection on the Zoom shot again it's like kind of lucky plays even though vancouver had some lucky plays as well it's like we spent the whole game kind of bringing the game to them and we didn't really generate much of anything which is just my biggest frustration here tonight like from your perspective do you think it's anything that the canucks were doing specifically that that like it was just great defense or do you think it was just ottawa's game plan just uh, wasn't really working yeah, I think the Canucks played pretty bad in the offensive zone throughout the game, as in like that's why they have sixteen shots, right? They just weren't they weren't creating much. And then when the play came the other way, I think that the defense stood out pretty well. They they played just fine. Um as for I mean, just looking at the the goals the Canucks had too. It's not like they were super like they were kind of weird too, right? You have that Besser play where that the gloves just in the net, right? That's that's unlucky. You have that uh Kuzmeko forecheck where if he doesn't make that play on the Canucks second goal, it's an odd man rush the other way, right? It's that mm-hmm. close to potentially just being a tie game one, one, three minutes in, but it takes a weird bounce and they're able to get, and Pedersen's able to get it to Mikheyev and, and it's two, nothing. Um, and then that, uh, that last Mikheyev goal in the start of the third period to make it four, two or halfway through the third period, right? It's just a, a shot from the point that Mikheyev reaches his skate way out and gets a piece of and pulls it back in. 
Um, so even though, yeah, the high danger chances were higher and, and sure, like the Miller goal and the first Mikheyev goal were great. Um, but it's some weird, a lot of weird stuff going on. Puck was bouncing a lot in this one, I think. It was. I, I remember a play, I think, in the Sens end where uh, the Canucks forward tried to shoot it. It was bouncing so bad that it went over his stick as he tried to shoot it. And then Travis Hamannick came through, tried to clear it, and it bounced over his stick too. And then it went into the corner. So weird puck luck all around tonight. And yeah, like you mentioned that second Mikheyo goal. I'm torn between just saying that was like the luckiest shit ever or or if that was like an impressive play. Like, do you think do you think he did that on purpose, like sticking his leg out like that? Or was he looking at the at the shot coming towards him? Uh, so on the Canucks broadcast, we had Ray Ferraro on for the first time, uh, which was great. And he seemed to think, he's like, yeah, Mikheyev, Mikheyev threw the leg out there on purpose. I don't think he expected it to go that well. I think he was like, mm-hmm. oh, the puck's going to the corner. I'm going to throw my leg out and try to deflect it or make some sort of play on it as it maybe stop it and then we can jam a rebound in. I don't think he ever expected that it would be deflecting perfectly into the net. Um, but it was a, you know, it was a high IQ play that happened to work out and when you're winning games and when you're rolling, you know, it takes a lot to lose streaks, right? And and you look at teams like San Jose, and even though they're not playing awful every night, they're pretty bad. But, you know, sometimes to get out of a streak, you need something extreme. And the Canucks have been winning and, and getting points every game. And I mean, the last time that they didn't win a game was on a second night of a back-to-back against the Rangers, right? They're just rolling and sometimes it's hard to stop a, a snowball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's like the exact same thing, but in reverse for the Sens in terms of snowballing here, where I think we're two and six in the last eight now, something like that. And it was um, it was previously one and five in the last six, like before the, the set of back to back games. And li- like you said, it just it just takes something crazy to actually break a streak. And it feels like we're not getting that like those type of performances from our top players for the most part lately. Like we had the Stusla and Giroux line were able to pull that off yesterday against Toronto, those star performances that were able to steal a win in that game. But tonight it was just, it was just nothing. Like again, I gave full credit to Stutzla on the show last night, but, but he sucked tonight that, that turnover on the, on the second goal, especially after, after how we were already down just one, nothing after 15 seconds. That that's the type of thing that's really frustrating as a fan when your top players are doing stuff like that. And Oh, Brady Kachuk missing that wide open net as well. And then JT yeah. Miller goes in and snipes it like 30 seconds later on the same shift. Holy crap. That was, it just, it just felt like bad luck central for the Sens here tonight, but also the, the top players for the Sens not really helping themselves out. Yeah, that, that Kachuk miss is the perfect sort of encapsulation of this game, right? And, and sort of both of these teams season so far, right? The Sens had, you know, you guys had pretty high hopes coming into this year, right? It looked we like sure things were turning did. around. You know, that, that 2020 draft where you get uh, Stutzley, you get Sanderson, those guys are really coming into their own and, and looking pretty good. And and you look at the you look at the stat or the standings, and it's like coming to this game, what the Sens had a plus six goal differential. And yeah, you know, and but last they, in they, the division with a plus six goal differential. It's it's maddening. Right. You're behind Buffalo with a zero, the Habs with a minus eight. And the Leafs with a minus three, right? If and the Panthers have a zero goal differential, they're oh third God. in the division, right? It's sometimes things just don't happen to happen to work out the way uh, they should, um, and that's again, that's sort of been the the epitome of the Canucks season so far, too, right? It's well, they shouldn't be winning this many games, they shouldn't be scoring this many goals. The Canucks have a plus thirty three goal differential. That shouldn't be the case because their expected goals is negative, <laughs> and mm-hmm. somehow, you know, when you have two goalies who are you know, one's got a 919 now, the other's got a 948. 
it uh, it can be tough to lose games when you got guys who seemingly can't miss, like you know Brock Besser, who scored in the twenties. Did he even score twenty goals last year? He scored eighteen goals last year, and he's got ten already. He's like over halfway there already. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's he's very well on track for his first thirty goal season, which is as if you've been following the Canucks, that's huge because. He looked like this phenom coming out of the gate as a rookie. He scored 29 and then just sort of fell from there and injury luck and all that stuff. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it's really a tale of two stories, these two teams. Um, two teams that really had a very similar outlook coming into this year, right? Pushing for a bubble spot, right? Can you make? Can you sneak into the playoffs? And one team's had the puck luck and one hasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the way you framed that because in, in our second segment, I was kind of going to go along the lines of how both of these teams kind of had similar expectations as far as I'm aware heading into the season, but it's just played out entirely differently uh, for both of them there. But before we get into that, we do have an ad read for tonight, new to the show, which is for Bitano or Mostly for Botano, yeah. The initial season is heating up, and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer an Austin Matthews anytime goal, or ride the puck line with the Montreal Canadiens, or bet the over with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, our partners at SignUp Expert want to make sure you're ready to sweat your bets with one of the best. SignUp Expert is hooking up our listeners with one of the newest sportsbooks available in Canada, Botano. Botano is home to some of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL, and offers unique markets, including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do to get started is scan that QR code on your screen or click the link in the description to register and place that first bet. If you thought the Vancouver Canucks have been the biggest surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Bitano. Don't walk, run to check out Bitano today. Scan that QR code or hit the link in the description to get started and start sweating your bets with the best. Always remember to bet responsibly, of course, and within your means. Viewers must be 19 plus to sign up for Bitano. So with that, if, if you were a betting man, Parker, at the beginning of the season, would you have bet on the Canucks to make the playoffs? It really depends on the, I was about, so, so last year I was 50, 50, and then they started out five and two, uh, which was not helpful. Um, this year I was very like, you know, looking at the changes the Canucks made, bring, you know, sort of revamping the defense, bringing guys like Susie and Cole and Heronic. Um, and Quinn Hughes having another year under his belt, Patterson. And then they added so much reliable depth. Um, one of the big pieces that maybe people around the league wouldn't expect would be a guy like Sam Lafferty coming from the Leafs. Like that's, he has been one of the best players for the Canucks, even though the points might not show it. Um, I would have been, yeah, I would have been about 55, 45, I think coming to this league and I would have, or coming to this season, I would have felt bad about how optimistic that felt. Because I I've been hurt so many times. Right? There's no, yeah, uh, sure. um, you know, and so looking at like some of the models, where some of the models like yeah, like 45. I think the Athletic had them at 58 coming into the year, and I'm like that doesn't mean anything to me. This is they need everything to go right, and and they've sort of built themselves a buffer to the point where you know if they do regress, which I mean they're not going to score five goals on 16 shots every game. You just can't do that. Um, and Demko's not going to put up a 948 all year. It's just, it's just not feasible. But they've built up so much of a buffer with what 21 points in 13 games so far um, that the teams that would catch them, which would maybe be like a Minnesota or a Seattle if they had to fall that far down, they're like a 10 point gap on those guys uh, already. Mm-hmm. So huge. they've built up enough of a buffer to hopefully be able to hang in there. Um, so I'm feeling good as of right now. 
that's my biggest problem with the Sen start to the season is that they don't have that buffer that the Canucks have created for themselves. You know, even if it wasn't such a big gap, like a 10 point gap, even if it was just, you know, being above 500 at this point, like, holy, holy crap. We were all saying, like, the Sens have had mostly home games uh, leading up to their Sweden trip, which is after the next game. Mostly home games. And we're losing all these freaking home games now. It's... Uh, it's just it's it's been the polar opposite experience between uh, the Canucks and Sens here, where uh, like how you said about fifty five percent to forty five percent, you you were leaning towards yeah the Canucks could make the playoffs. I would probably say I was about the same for the Sens, maybe even a little more confident. But but now at this point, it's just like totally confidence, totally dashed. Just after after three weeks, it it, it sucks. But the way that I want to direct this conversation is, I feel like a big story for the Canucks over the past like few seasons really has been the coaching changes that they've gone through and in Ottawa we are like specifically we have most of the fan base hoping for a coaching change the last two games maybe DJ Smith gets a little bit of benefit of the doubt especially with the Toronto game of course and then tonight even though they lost had bad luck it's you can say that from the stats with the shots at least that they were the better team obviously other stats though like high danger chances might disagree but we're kind of all begging for a coaching change here in Ottawa none of us really like the the offensive or defensive systems that that they that they employ even though we like the the players that are on the ice so I kind of wanted to ask you about so they went from Travis Green to Bruce Boudreaux and then Bruce Boudreaux to uh, Rick Tockett now. I kind of want to ask you about how the Canucks play has changed between each three of those coaches because we saw the new coach bump with Bruce Boudreaux. Obviously, it didn't last. He ended up getting canned last season, replaced by Tockett. And then you'll have to you'll have to let me know on how the Canucks finished the season under Tockett last year. But I kind of feel like if the Sens do make a coaching change, it's like, we can look towards the Canucks as at least how this sort of thing can go, where you you make that coaching change mid-season. Like how, what have the differences been really? Yeah, one thing that we've learned is the earlier you make that move, the better. Um, when Travis Green got fired, that was honestly not the biggest part of the story um, because it was the same day that uh, Jim Benning also got fired or it was around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after um a game against the penguins where the jerseys hit the ice and that was a big that was a big thing um and Tra- travis green i think was a fine coach uh, and travis green was part of why i started believing that coaching didn't matter that much and i now have changed my mind on that just because <laughs> he was you know he had he had sort of rallied these players behind him for a, a good amount of time and he was sort of brought in as a development style of coach and didn't end up really being that way uh the canucks were a pretty boring team under Travis Green. They had the sparks of, of Patterson and Hughes, but Besser wasn't getting anywhere. Um, Hughes was looking all right. Um, Miller wasn't doing all that. Like Miller was putting up a lot of points, but not playing great defensively. And uh, like he, he was fine, but the team just couldn't mesh together. Um, so they get rid of him. They bring in Boudreaux. And that Boudreaux bump that, this, that the Canucks had, I, that almost pushed them to the playoffs, right? Basically said, hey, we got to win two out of every three games every week for the rest of the year. Right. And everyone's like, that's not possible. And they come out and they just start winning. Uh, and they start winning because they, they really rallied behind Boudreaux. He's a, but he was a real players coach. Um, and then as we get started last year and we're thinking, great, we have this new offensive minded coach um, that is going to enable Pedersen to score a bunch of goals. Pedersen started last season terribly. He was, you know, he, he wasn't putting up points. Um, and then. So they, they get rid of Boudreaux because things aren't working and then they hire Tockett. And my thought is, 
okay, you've gone and got a guy who's all toughness, all strength, all whatever. I'm, I'm not excited about this, right? He didn't seem like the kind of guy to sort of bring life to guys like Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. And I've been completely wrong. Coming into last year, I think I think he had like a, a 600 points percentage when like under talk at last year, the Canucks did. But Bruce Boudreaux famously said right when he was about to get fired, because everyone knew he was getting fired for like two weeks. Yeah, that was um, ugly. It was, it was an open secret. And he's like, and I think he said, he's like, yeah, looking at the schedule coming up, like it looked like they were waiting until the easy part of the schedule hit. Um, oh. So that when Target came in, there was a lot of, there was some easy wins on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's essentially what happened. He got fired right before a Columbus game, uh, which was that when Target was brought in. But the way that this team has changed their play style and the reason why when the Canucks were, even when they were two and two or two and one at the start of the season, then two and two, we were looking at this team as, you know, they, they won that 8-1 game against Edmonton, then they, they barely snuck out that 4-3 win against Edmonton in their second game. And we were thinking, this is not how we've seen this team play in years. They are playing with a level of, like, just active sticks, keeping everything outside, playing with structure, but still playing a very offensive-minded game. Like, there was no, like, there wasn't reins being put on guys like Pedersen or Hughes. It was all sort of free-flowing, but still very structured at the same time. And it's a this team just hasn't worked this hard seemingly ever. And that seems to be Rick Tockett's style. Um, you look at a guy like JT Miller, who put, had that 99-point year. Last year, he had, I think, 80, 81 points, but was terrible defensively. Like we, It was to the point where we're like, okay, Miller has to play wing. He can't play center. We just, we just can't do it. Um, but now he's come out this year, and, I mean, Rick Tockett benched him in a game for the end of a period. And Miller responded, came out in the third and scored. And, like, he is gotten all of these players to buy in to a level that if you're Ottawa, that's sort of something that you would have to hold out hope for, right? You have the players on paper to be a wildcard team, but Mm -hmm. if your coach isn't getting everything out of those guys, right, then, then, you know, what, what more can you ask for? So the, I think the key though, is if you're going to make that move, you got to make it as early as possible. Tough to do that after a win against Toronto. And then, you know, doubling up on shots against Vancouver, uh, especially, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back and, you know, your goalie couldn't make a save. I mean, that happens. Um, But yeah, the earlier is probably the better for Ottawa. That's what frustrates me is I totally agree with the earlier is probably better. And yet here, here we are like a month into the season now and still, still holding on with DJ. We also had two like four or five day breaks after games already this season and we're about to have another one before going to Sweden and then those seemed like kind of the perfect times especially because we were coming off of losses every time of course those seemed like the right times to uh to make a change if you were going to uh but it it just doesn't seem like it's going to be happening anytime soon although it, it kind of feels like if if they can't put together a winning streak here soon it's gonna there's gonna have to be some sort of change eventually because like you said with the Canucks a couple years ago trying to play catch up and it's like they would have to win two out of every three to actually make the playoffs in the wild card and I think they did get pretty close but that's a super tough thing to do it's it's so tough with DJ Smith too because uh you talk about uh Rick Tockett coming in and and being kind of a lot harder on the players I feel like that's kind of what the Sens need because they all really like DJ. They were all going to bat for him in the media after we were hearing the fire DJ chants and stuff like that. And you have to wonder if they just need a different style of coaching at this point where the niceness isn't really getting them to produce results. And 
I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous at, at how it's worked out for the Canucks so far with Tockett in, in that regard. Yeah, that was that was the that was the Boudreaux thing, right? He showed up. It was such a departure from Travis Green's style, and he let the good players be good, right? That was Boudreaux's thing. And then, yeah, they I, like I don't know if it was that they didn't go hard enough at training camp that everyone just sort of was slow. But yeah, last year that that O five and two start just completely sewered the team from the start. Now Ottawa's nowhere near in that bad of a position, right? You have you have more than two points seven games into the season, um, but. Yeah, it's uh, you're on the clock. I mean, coming into this game, just sort of looking at projections, um, like looking at the athletics numbers, Ottawa, they gave Ottawa a 49% chance of making the playoffs at the start of the year. Mm-hmm, right? Yeah, about so 50-50. Pure 50-50. And now, I mean, before this game, they had dropped to uh, 39. Um, and they were lower than that. They were like 35 after or before that Leafs game. Um, Jeez. And- Quick drop. And it was a hard quickly. drop too, because because you guys started the season pretty well, right? Yeah, it, we were three and one, man, and, and we're five and seven now. It's it's been it's been ugly. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And you guys beat the Flyers right before we lost to the Flyers, and we thought out the sky was falling. Yeah, I, I still can't believe that the Canucks got shut out by the Flyers at the beginning of the season. What the hell was that? Like compared to how everything else has gone so great, that's a weird like blip on the radar. Yeah, yeah, the Canucks had a little blip to start for sure. They, I think, they got a little too high. They got a little too high off those first two wins uh, against um, against Edmonton. They were like, "Wow, we can hang with anybody," and uh, that's one thing that Rick Tockett has preached. A- any media availability you look at from Rick Tockett, he goes, "Hey, it's all you know. These guys come to the come to the rink. It's all business. We don't get too high. They're not getting too low," uh, and that's a thing that might be a problem for some teams, especially some younger teams, right? Like Ottawa, where you have these guys who. You know, hey, you start the season three and one, you're flying, you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're a good team, we're gonna go on a little run here. Maybe they get a little ahead of themselves, a little bit lazy. Um, and that's something that, you know, good coaching can hopefully help them overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh it's I I hope that I can stop having to talk about fire DJ Smith relatively soon. Not because I want him to get fired, but also just because I hope that they can start winning. That's the the biggest issue here is we're we're all talking about like, oh, we want this guy out of his job, which which feels bad to say, but it's just we we need results at some point here in Ottawa. So uh, yeah, I would say to summarize it, I I'm very very jealous of the Vancouver Canucks so far this season. You you guys are you guys are on top of the world in in Canadian hockey really. I've if you ask me before the season started, I would not have expected Vancouver to be uh, like at the top of the Canadian teams at any point. So huge kudos yeah. to them for surprising everyone. Yeah, you don't understand how good it feels to hear that. <laughs> it has been so <laughs> yeah. long. Canucks since finally this getting team, some credit. Eh? It's been so long since this team's actually been looked at as somewhat of a threat, right? We had a hint of it in 2020 in that bubble season or in the bubble playoffs where they, they, uh, they knocked off Minnesota and St. Louis after St. Louis won the cup. And that was like, I was like, wow, this team looks good. And we thought we were on the upswing and then everything cratered. Um, I mean, yeah, this team, this team hasn't really been good seemingly like this in 10, 11 years, mm-hmm. um, which is a long time <laughs> to be, yeah. to be sad. Um, so hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully Ottawa can get on that same train too, uh, train as well. Yeah. Cause it's been a long time for us too. I think on the TSN broadcast at one point they showed, I believe it was one playoff appearance for the Canucks in the last seven seasons, which obviously, as you said, was the the bubble season. And then for the Sens, it's, I think, 
six or seven seasons now of just straight no playoffs ever since 2017. So similar droughts for these two teams, although I feel like maybe the suffering has been a little bit longer for the Canucks just because you, you kind of had that that era after 2011 where it was the downfall of the Sedins and everyone was saying, oh, you need to rebuild, you need to rebuild. And they were just kind of trying to hang on for a few years, right? So so it must feel really nice to have a, have a good shot this year. They've set themselves up well where like they can play about 500 for the rest of the season and still make the playoffs easily with, mm-hmm. with the cushion that they've given themselves. Yeah, yeah. Teams like Edmonton and Calgary need to be, you know, they need to go at like a 102 point pace to, mm-hmm. to even have a chance to catch up if the Canucks leveled out the rest of the way. Um, that's, yeah, that's what a hot start can do. It's uh, it's very helpful. And by the way, Kaya says, like the video, like the stream, or DJ Smith will be outside your front door. So make sure you hit the like button uh, while you are here. For sure, for sure. And uh, with that, we might as well throw it to the chat. Um, I don't know if, if you've noticed any any questions or, or comments that you want to pick out there, but uh, one one that I, I did have to mention was David saying, uh, the Sens need to find better ways of getting traffic in front of opposing goalies, which is 100% true. Like, we were talking about all those perimeter shots there there tonight, and we are just constantly, like, dumping the puck into the corners and not retrieving it back. But when we do retrieve the puck, we're, we really don't have much traffic in front of the net. Other than Brady Kachuk, he's, like, the guy who's the shit disturber in front it's it's not much else from the other lines and we've seen it in a lot of the games where it's just it's just too easy for the goalies they're seeing all the shots so that's a good observation there from david that's another thing that the sense got to work on yeah and i i a little bit of credit to the canucks there too of they're again having this defense and in a way that you know the canucks used to be so like just put a big open sign in front of the net for the last few years um and those first two losses on the Canucks, you can blame a lot of it on Tyler Myers, <laughs> oh, which has been a, a, a trend for the Canucks for a while. Um, there's one play that Canucks fans will remember where um, in the same game, Tyler Myers slides right past a guy and then he like just on all just slides on his stomach right past a guy. And then, the, and then like later in the game, he literally took out and injured Elias Pettersson um, <laughs> on a four on two, or it was like a four on three. He went and took Pettersson out. So it was a four on one and they scored. Uh, so <laughs> Tyler Myers, I want to give a lot of credit to <laughs> the last few games. Yeah. He's People, cleaned they, it up. Eh? They took a lot of minutes off of his plate and they said, and, and it's a big credit to the coaching. I mean, you put guys like Sergey Gonchar and Adam foot on the Canucks coaching staff and tell them to take care of the defense. And that's going to make a big difference. And Tyler Myers has improved to such a level playing limited minutes and just simplifying his game that it's made a big difference in, you know, in helping the Canucks goalies, especially in front of the net. You know, that reminds me, I'm surprised that I've gone this far into the show without complaining about Travis Hamannick, Um, especially because this is Sens versus Canucks and we did get him from the Canucks and from... From what I understand, no one really liked him on the Canucks either. Um, so you, no. you guys must be glad that uh, you don't have Myers and Hamannick on the same freaking decor anymore. Like, Yeah, Hamannick, and they had to play a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the thing as well. Hamannick has had to play a lot lately because of all our defense injuries. Tonight, they had him down to 14 and a half minutes, which pretty good and jacob bernard docker even though he ends up with the minus two i'd much rather have him taking that ice time so that's one thing i'll give credit to gg smith for today is at least he didn't totally beat hamannick into the ground again and just there there was a game a few games ago where he was like damn near 30 minutes for hamannick like it was over 25 and it's just that that cannot happen that that cannot happen so 
Yeah, that's that's tough. I remember when that trade came through. I think we got a third from you guys for Hammond. Yeah, somehow. And it was it was parade in Vancouver. <laughs> it was like, how oh, did we God. get? How did we get anything? Like we well, because we thought it was a cap dump, right? I mean, he was making mm-hmm. three million bucks a year. I think for one more season. And we just thought, yeah, you're, they're going to have to pay to get rid of that pick. And then that, the tweet, I think, came out. It was probably Rick Dollywall, and it was just, hey, Travis Hamanick for a third. And everyone's like, oh, you meant Travis Hamanick and a third. Like, it's a, it's to get rid of him. Um, so I, I'm very sorry that you have to deal with uh, with that. It is good, though, that he's not being leaned on as heavily as as maybe he, uh, he was here. Yeah, I remember when that trade happened. Pierre Dorian said something about, oh, they wanted a fourth round pick for him, but I didn't have a fourth round pick, so I gave them a third rounder. And I I, I have to say that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard a GM say. That's <laughs> that's really bad. Yeah, because then it's like, okay, well, then you ask to make up the difference, right? Like, yeah. hey, yeah, I'll make it a third. You guys throw in a fifth or something, mm-hmm. right? Or like, or like two fifths or something like that. Yeah. It is, oh my God. That, so... That's the one like Sens and Canucks trade connection recently, and it is not not fond memories for me on that one. And no, uh, rough on the ice too in terms of in terms of his play. Um, we don't have Dorian to worry about anymore. Yeah, thank uh, God for that. I can I can <laughs> stop complaining about him. It's all still in my brain. It's all fresh, but soon we can just let it all go. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, we've had some bad GMs to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, you guys know. I mean, you know how it is. Yeah, and and seeing, I mean, you guys have Andlauer as your owner right now, and mm-hmm. he seems he seems like a real breath of fresh air. I mean, looking yeah. at Ottawa, I mean, sure, maybe this season again. I don't want to. It's it's too early to write off a season, right? I mean, they're what are they now? They're five and, five seven, and seven or something. Yeah. It's not great, but it's also, I mean, you know, you win three in a row at some point, and now you're looking, you know, things are looking up, and and you can make a bit of a push. Uh, you get a bunch of OT losses instead of regulation losses and things start to look up. Um, seeing that, you know, seeing Ann Lauer and, and Steos uh, sort of at the helm there and, you know, it's a young team, right? I mean, sure, there's guys like Giroux and he's not very young. Tarasenko's not very young. But those are those are guys that can always fill in gaps in the future. But I think this team's got a pretty, you know, you figure out the coaching situation and, and you figure out how to get guys like Travis Hamannick a little bit less ice time. And I think they've got a, you know, a pretty decent future ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that from the outside, you're able to have a bit more of a positive outlook. I, I, I like hearing that. I hope I hope that you're right in terms of hopefully the team can go on a little bit of a run sometime soon and, and make the record look a little bit better. Um, another comment from the chat that caught my eye here was Duck saying, uh, how about when we traded goalies on game day? Do you remember that? I think that was, uh, was that Anders Nilsson coming to the Sens? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I can't even remember who, who the other, uh, who the other goalie was in that. Yeah, that was Mike oh McKenna. God. Oh, Mike McKenna. Yeah. Oh God. Those are the, yeah. those are the seasons that I try to just erase from my mind or it's, it's all a blur in that yeah, era of the rebuild. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Now Nilsen, this trade, though, looking at, I didn't realize this is part of the trade tree, man. He's been involved in a lot of trades. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andres Nielsen, um, that trade, uh, Ottawa threw in a sixth round pick in the 2019 draft, which has turned into Arthur's Seelovs, who is, seems to be the next oh, coming yeah. of, of goaltending for the He's Canucks. He hasn't had a great start this year in the AHL, but um, had, a, had a few good games last year. So thank you, Anders Nilsson, for your service. So we, we still have something from that trade tree 
with yeah. the Canucks. That's that's pretty cool. Was it and was it just Mike McKenna on the send side, or was there someone else in there too? McKenna and Tom Pyatt. Oh, it was Tom Pyatt. How could I forget freaking Tom Pyatt? I, oh god i'm sure you all forget tom pyatt i was you gonna say i don't know i remember taylor pyatt yeah that was i remember him was... playing for the canucks but i forgot that yeah. tom pyatt went to the canucks you guys might not have even used him but he was nope. uh didn't play him he was guy boucher's favorite back in the day he was like getting getting top line shifts with kyle turris back in like 2016 that was nice. that was quite an era oh god. yeah he played 36 games in utica for vancouver oh yeah straight to you and then was in sweden the next season <laughs> That sounds about right. Oh my god, yeah. Charlie in the chat as well saying Anders Nilsson unnecessarily handsome. Have to agree with that one. He, yeah. he was a stud. Tall man too. Mm -hmm. There's that. There's that picture. I don't know if you have ever seen it. Um, it's a very good meme in the in the Canucks world of Nilsson and Markstrom sitting next to each other, and Nilsson's just like huge, and Markstrom's kind of small, but they look exactly the same. Oh, um, I don't know if I've seen that one. Tall Swedish men. Probably seen it pop up at, at least once, but I can't. I can't picture it. There's there's so many good memes on hockey Twitter that, oh. You also got three games of Darren Archibald out of that trade. So oh yeah, forget that. Those I remember him, but I do not remember those three games. Oh my god. No, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> oh, it's fun going down going down memory lane with those those trades that are that, that sometimes are hard to remember. So so shout out to Mr. Duck in the chat for for remembering mm -hmm. that one. Excellent. Yeah. Any other any other chat comments you wanted to take a look um, at? I think I think we're in a pretty good spot here. Um, I, Fangirl's asking if the Canucks play sustainable, and we can sort of double that on: is Ottawa's play sustainable? Also, yeah, um, sustainably bad. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the first few games were great for them, and I think I think under DJ Smith, this might just be the team they are. But I think I they think so they too. have some potential to be better uh, with some different coaching. So. I'd still, you know, I'd say 35, 40% chance Ottawa pulls this out somehow. Um, is the Canucks play sustainable? No, it's not. I mean, to this level, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're on, they've got what, 20 points in 12 games. Are they going to get 140 points this season? No, right? Of course not. Are they going to get 100? I think so, right? Um, so is it sustainable to this level? Obviously not, but they're definitely sustainable to play. 95 point pace hockey the rest of the way and finish with 100 102 points I, I don't think this team will have a problem with that so sustainable enough is would be my answer to that yeah I, I think that's about right it's it's probably not going to be like president's trophy for the Canucks but they're looking pretty good to make the playoffs at this point which is all you can really ask for absolutely mm -hmm. uh, but yeah I think that's a good place to wrap it up it's it's been a very nice show tonight I think uh great talking to you and uh just i guess before we go do you want to remind everyone where they can find you sure yeah you can find me on youtube parker's pucks twitter parker's pucks uh cannot clay and i host a podcast every monday night called canucks after dark so you can find me over there as well awesome stuff and obviously you can find me on the other game over ottawa streams i am at mod show on twitter and i also have a podcast on the side extra attackers where we go over just any any topics from the whole league it's kind of where i get to let loose and talk about other teams other than ottawa so uh if you enjoyed me here tonight check that out too and uh yeah, I think that's where we're going to leave it. Uh, subscribe to SDPN if you aren't subscribed already. Leave a like on the stream because it helps and share this around if you enjoyed. Thank you everyone for watching or listening and have a great night. Game!